Hello and welcome to Social Minute. Social Minute is the show where we talk about pretty much everything social media with me, Tyler, your host. I'm the owner of uh, T-Squared Social and also Social Media Local. So today on the show we have, uh, I would say, like a pretty special guest. So this is someone that I would consider one of my personal mentors, someone that I've worked for that I deeply appreciate and respect. Um, so today we have the owner of Brainsport, Brian McCashew. Hello. So Brian, in uh, in your own words, for those people who have never heard of you, um, do you want to just tell us a bit about who you are? Oh boy. Um, so after that intro, I I hope to not disappoint. So I'm I'm turning fifty. Um, I've had my business since I opened my business when I was twenty one. So it's been this summer will be 29 years, um, and it's really all I've done in my adult life. So I have a very limited scope of practice. Mm-hmm. So before you had Brainsport, you just had a couple kind of casual retail jobs? Uh, well, my, my dream job, and actually it sounds like I'm being sarcastic, I, not really. I swept garbage at the exhibition, and it was my favorite job I've ever done because I like being outside and I found it really satisfying and I found $200 cash in 1983 which is like, like a, big a billion dollars today yeah yeah so you're now the owner of Brainsport which um let's assume some people don't know what Brainsport is so do you want to tell us a bit about the sort of the magic of Brainsport um, for sure so Brainsport is essentially a running shoe store and the way I like to define it is we're 51% shoe fitting and 49% uh, run culture. Mm-hmm. So um, the, base, the base of what we do is helping people find very comfortable shoes. And generally those shoes tend to be uh, running slash training shoes. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean we just p- fit people who are running. We fit people with foot problems. We fit um, nurses that are going to be on their feet for a long time. Mm-hmm. We fit someone who's going to take a trip to Disneyland and, and they're going to be walking for 10 hours. Um, we do a lot of, um, uh, we, we measure, we assess their arches and we're trying to, we try to find people the most comfortable, comfortable pair of shoes they've ever had. So I feel like this question, uh, this conversation leads really naturally into my first question, which is, um, you know, as a retailer, I think there's a lot of conversation around, you know, do you sell online? Do you just do, you know, sort of physical store? Do you stick with brick and mortar? Um, So how do you as a retailer sort of figure out your place in this sort of like online brick and mortar sort of omni-channel universe of retail? Hmm. Um, Well, I think every business has to stand for something. And I think what brain sport stands for is, is shoe fitting. And what that means to people is they're going to trade their money for a very comfortable pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes it's a really straightforward interaction where a customer will come in, we'll try on two or three pair pair of shoes. And sometimes we're on our hands and feet. We're fitting them for 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. We could bring out, 10 pairs of shoes, 20 pairs of shoes. Um, and I don't know how you could recreate that experience online. So therefore at this, at this point in time, we're not online and I don't know if we will ever be online. I'm not saying we Mm -hmm. won't be, but I need to figure out how I could help 
people find comfortable sh shoes um, outside right. of this real world experience. Right, and I think that's the interesting part where it's like you have an experience really that you're selling with the product. And so then how do you sort of like translate that into that online shopping experience, which I think can be difficult. I think it's difficult for a lot of things that you need to touch and feel and try on. Mm -hmm. Like certain things I think if you're comfortable with it, whether it's, you know, an item you've ordered a hundred times and you just know what you're getting, I think it's a little bit easier and that convenience might be better. But when it's something, especially like with feet, like when feet change, you know, you may not always be in the same shoe or a different model might fit differently. So how does that translate into the online piece? So... The, I guess the question I would have um, would be, um, you know, in terms of like the online retailing, what what part of you do you think would be advantageous to having some sort of online presence? Do you mean in relation to e-commerce? Yeah, in relation to e-commerce. Because I know it's something we've talked about in the past. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious for you, you know, like, um, and I, I agree with you, you know, with the, the experience and that it's, it's harder to recreate online. But I know you've thought about e-commerce. So what part of you, I guess, in your thought process has thought, you know, like these things would benefit my clients through e-commerce? Well, I think the second pair of shoes might benefit someone. So mm -hmm. we have customers who live in La Ronde or Isle of Cross or Estevan, and they can't always get up here <clears throat> to get their second pair of shoes. Right. Um, so I think that's... That's where we could really help people is by making that um, making that uh, that purchase. Right. Um, but I don't understand how I could serve people for their first pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. And then just um, going back to the second pair of shoes, mm -hmm. that still scares me a little bit because uh, feet change, right. um, uh, shoes change. So you could go from one version of a shoe to the next version of a shoe. And it could fit differently. Um, and then, um, well, those would be the two big Just things. Just a lot of variables, yeah. for sure. So we're going to jump a little bit over uh, and talk a little bit about uh, social media. So you've been in business for, it'll be 30 years next year? Uh, this summer will be 29. 29, yeah. yeah. So in the 29 years you've done Brainsport, um, let's, let's assume that marketing has changed. <laughs> Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so maybe just without getting into like every single part of it, but what, what for you say, and even in the last 20 years, do you think have been some of the big shifts in terms of like the way you've approached marketing with Brainsport? So I would say something that probably most people may not understand is years ago, um, many of our suppliers had something called co-op advertising. So let's say we took out a newspaper ad um, the, and we featured Brand X and Brand X had a co-op program. So the, they would calculate what our sales were and give us 2% of our previous year sales towards mm -hmm. um, co-op advertising. So then we could contact the newspaper. We could say, hey, we've got we've got $1,000 for this ad. And then the newspaper would create that ad. Mm -hmm. um, those co-op budgets largely have disappeared. Hmm. So we end up, um, uh, two things, we end up paying for um, many of the ads ourselves. And then the second thing is, um, with social media, we end up becoming um, um, ad, um, ad, like 
ad professionals. Mm -hmm. So either myself or people in my, at my store, we end up creating um, ad content where in the past we had help with that either through um, uh, radio or television or newspaper where mm -hmm. there were paid professionals that helped us create those ads. Mm -hmm. Now, now we're having to come up with that ourselves unless we hire someone mm -hmm. like yours truly to yeah. help us navigate that. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is, I think, a conversation I have with a lot of people that have transitioned from that sort of like um, sort of 10, 20 years ago marketing world till now. And some of my clients have only been in business for a few years, so they don't know any different. Um, but I mean, for me, I guess the thing that I see, and maybe you can speak to this is, you know, back, you know, 10 years ago, you gave some information to someone at the Star Phoenix or Rollcore, and they created something for you, maybe you had to voice a, a radio commercial or whatever, but in large part, they kind of created something for you. Mm -hmm. And now you're having to create so much on your own, whether it's, you know, in tandem with an agency like ours, um, or just within your own team, you're having to come up with the ideas and execute the ideas and post the ideas. So how does that, how does that change sort of like, I guess the dynamic of the conversation you have with clients through advertising? Hmm. I guess sometimes, I mean, if we're doing it, um, it's maybe not as polished or professional, mm -hmm. uh, which I'm not, implying is a bad thing it's just mm -hmm. more like here it is um but it's more work you know it's I mean? way more work yeah and so yeah. do you feel like there's more reward though or do you feel like if you like if you could turn back time would you be like no no i just want to do a couple radio ads and a couple star phoenix ads or do you feel like social media is benefiting <laughs> so um and there's no right answer yeah it's it's not <laughs> more work for me yeah. because I, I am not a social media person. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I hardly go on social media. Um, personally, um, I go on for work from time to time, but mm -hmm. I've, I, I, because I work with you, you mm -hmm. manage so much of that. And then, um, I've delegated to my staff to, to check the, you know, check our posts, respond to customers, mm -hmm. um, and I'll come up with ideas, which, which generally I'll give to my staff to execute. So, mm -hmm. so I think I'm in a unique position where like I'm, I'm old, but I understand advertising, mm -hmm. but I, I just, I can't, I just can't add another thing to mm -hmm. my plate and I don't enjoy it. It's true. Well, and I think, I, I don't think it's necessarily an age thing. I think it's having your priorities and having 24 hours in a day, right? Mm -hmm. So I think for you, you know, if it were something that you were really passionate about, you would find the time. Um, but because you know it's essential, you found resources like like me and like your staff um, to take care of those things. But you're still like really heavily involved in the direction and the voice and all those things. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes you're quite involved just with your face being in videos and photos quite often. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you're like heavily involved. Right. Um, and I think there's, for me, it always feels like there's a bit of a different workflow for people um, that have come from that more um, traditional media space. Um, do you ever find like fatigue with some of the process or is it like exciting every time you get to be on camera or what are, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I, um, for me, it's definitely fatigue. I, yeah. um, I don't, um, I don't enjoy being on the camera. I don't mm -hmm. enjoy being interviewed. So it's not, it's not exhilarating. I know I, for, for other people, I think they love it. But yeah. for me, it's like, uh, 
I guess I better do it because Tyler's asking. Mm-hmm. And so I guess because you're really the face of the brand, would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so how do you, um, knowing that you know your face is a certain type of currency on social media, how do you, I guess, sort of make the decision on how often you want to be on or how often you're not going to be on or those types of things? So I guess there's, there's two parts to our social media, right? So mm-hmm. there's the work that we do with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the, there, I, I call it like at once, um, yeah. work. So, uh, you know, you might say to me, Hey Brian, we need you to be on cause you haven't been on, um, in recent mm-hmm. history and we need to get you back. So uh, I'll be like, okay, sure. I'll, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, then the, the sort of at once things, there could be a new shoe that comes in that I've run in that um, only I can talk about. So I try to do the things that only I can address and I try to delegate the things that, you know, other people may be um, an expert on. So maybe I have a staff person who's running a specific shoe. It's been in the news. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense for me to talk about it because I don't have any honest relevant experience mm-hmm. and I'll get someone else to talk about it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I'm going to ask you this one um, just because I really like I really respect you as an entrepreneur and I feel like one of the things that you're able to do is really um, pivot and change and roll with things and there's not a lot of um, in the time that I worked with you, which I think we worked like for 10 years mm-hmm. together, um, I just don't see a lot of like stagnation Um, So you're always trying things and moving on new things. And oftentimes, you know, not everything succeeds. I mean, currently, every time I see you, it seems like everything's going great. Um, You know, so that's awesome. Congratulations. Um, But I mean, you know, certainly as time I've known you, like I've I've seen, you know, failures and things that haven't gone well. So um, I guess if you could um, go back in the time machine and revisit your uh, yourself the first year that you owned Brainsport. Um, and give that Brian some advice. What advice, entrepreneurial advice, would you give him? Oh boy, um, I would implement more systems. Mm-hmm. Definitely, that would be the the very first thing. So, um, like just sort of industry wise, I would I would come up with shoe fitting systems, um, gait analysis, mm-hmm. just to help us offer our customers a more consistent experience. Right. And I think it took us a lot of um, time to get to the point where it became a consistent experience for our, for our customers. That would be definitely the first thing I would say. How long did it even take to come up with a consistent shoe fit process? I'd say five years. Really? That's so interesting because as anyone who's been to Brainsport now, it's so ingrained in the culture that you can't imagine a time period where there wasn't like the shoe fit. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of different reasons why it was that way in 1991 to 96 mm-hmm. um partially i was 21 when we started and i didn't necessarily think i could tell someone who was older than me um what they should be in um uh, and then i would say there's also a shift in the market where um, when we opened the store the consumer generally thought they were the expert and i mm-hmm. think um, and that was before the internet. That was before the internet. Um, and then I think there was a shift 
Um, and really, people kind of attribute it to the Oprah effect when she started running. And then people started to um, say to us, hey, I re I want to, I've never run, but I want to run, but I don't know what I need. Help me find what I need. I'll buy it, and then I'll leave. Um, and that was a big shift. And I remember the moment that happened, and I thought, okay, mm -hmm. things are going to, we're going to make it because of that um, shift in how we can help people achieve their goals. Mm -hmm. Any other advice you'd give your younger self? I, lo I love that you're talking about systems because, and for me, even early on in my business, I would always say to the other Tyler, I say, if it, if it makes me itchy now, in four years, it's going to be mm -hmm. really scratchy. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to be really irritated with this thing. Yeah. Because now it's like affecting one or two clients. But if 20 clients are affected by this process, mm -hmm. it's going to be really annoying. Mm -hmm. So it was always like looking for those little itchy things that I could like streamline and make sure that they were, you know, workable for like a larger scale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask a little bit about community because we sort of talked about shoe fit. And you mm -hmm. said the other part is building community, right? Mm -hmm. So I know one of the things in it, um, yeah, just in my time working with you, I think made a really big impression on me, um, as well as some other mentors that I've had through my life, um, just how business and community are not separate, how they're mm -hmm. really like combined. So can you speak to, um, and I mean, I'd be curious to hear even like sort of how this grew with you, you know, from the beginning till now, mm -hmm. um, how community has just been so important to you and what you with Brainsport um, hope to achieve and hope to do with community? Mm -hmm. So I guess the first thing is when we opened the store, we opened it as a forever store. Mm -hmm. Like we are going to be here forever. So I think because of that, that mental position, we also felt like we had a, resp a responsibility to be good citizens. Um, and, and yes, it's good for business. Um, but if it's good for the community, then I think it's good for business. So case in point, um, a couple days ago, we just agreed to have a, um, uh, car share, solar powered car, mm -hmm. um, taking up one of our five, uh, parking spots. So we're going to go from five customer parking spots to four customer parking spots. And on one hand, that's a gigantic deal because, um, the overwhelming comment about people coming to bricks and mortar is right. I want to be parking. able to park easily. So giving up a spot <clears throat> really, I, I didn't want to do it. And I was in fact, perhaps even annoyed when I was asked to give up, give up a spot, but I thought about it and I talked to my team and ultimately we agreed it was the right thing to do. So are we going to get a return out of that feel good story? I don't know. Um, are we going to lose business because we don't, if someone is going to come through a lot on busy days, they don't see a spot. Are they going to leave? Could happen. But ultimately I think it's, it was the right thing to do. Um, and I can live with that. Um, mm -hmm. So let's talk about um, 
about Run Club. Okay. So I feel like Run Club would arguably be one of your biggest community contribu- contributions. <laughs> um, among many, I mean, like the shoe donation program and all the other runs and different things you do. But would you say Run Club is one of, like, the bigger community things you do? Oh, uh, definitely. Yeah. So do you want to maybe, because um, I, I feel like a lot of, so, okay, how do I phrase this? With social media, I think a lot of people get lost in the clouds, metaphorically and digitally, mm-hmm. um, but then they don't always see um, how that really is just sort of like a conduit to connecting people in real life, right? Mm-hmm. So the one thing, you know, that, I mean, I'm one of many things I love about the Run Club is that it really is an in-person, real-life connection, and I know there's people that have, you know, met their spouses through there, met friends through there, different things like that, and so... You know, even with all these dating apps and, you know, connection things or whatever, I think there's a lot of these things that, you know, exist, like Run Club, not that I'm advocating it as a place to meet a spouse, but... Um, you never know. <laughs> you never know. Uh, I did. Uh, did you? I did, yeah. Yeah? Yes, that's where I met Elizabeth? Elizabeth, yes. Oh, interesting. 100%. I did not know that. Um, but yeah, can can you sort of speak to how sort of like, I guess, you know, your 21-year-old self sort of came up with this idea and how... You developed it and some of the, I don't know, like maybe a story about for sure trials, um, tribulations, so, successes. So um, when I was in my uh, teens, I um, ended up making the junior national track and field team. And I spent about three weeks in Vancouver one summer. So I, I knew um, a store called, uh, I knew the owner of a store called Peter Butt. The guy's name is Peter Butler, and he had a store called Forerunners, or sorry, Front Row, Forerunners. Um, mm-hmm. And I, because I love shoes and I love running, I would hang around the store and then happen to be at their store one Wednesday evening when they had Run Club. And it struck me, even as a teenager, to see all of this life coming into the store. So you'd mm-hmm. see, you know, fast runners, slow runners, medium runners, they go for a run. Mm-hmm. They, they, and then they would go out and have dinner, and I went and joined them for the dinner, and it just seemed like such a positive experience for everybody, but also good for the store. So when I when I um, when it, when I realized I was going to when I I was destined to have my own store, mm-hmm. I thought I have to do this, um, and so we opened July thirteenth, nineteen ninety one, on a Friday. And then the next Wednesday, whatever that was, July 18th, that was our first um, Wednesday run club. So we've been running ever since. We do cancel it if there's a weather warning and right. it's too cold or too windy or too dangerous. But generally, we've been meeting every Wednesday since July of 1991. And so when you started it in July of 1991, it was an instant success. You had hundreds of people. It was awesome. <laughs> How did, how did it start? Yeah, so um, so actually, we had the first run. We had um, about a dozen people yeah. come out, and then it just it just kind of honestly, it steadily grew. Mm-hmm. We probably, um, you know, depending on the weather, we've been getting consistently forty to eighty people out mm-hmm. um, in this in the height of spring. We could have one hundred and twenty to one hundred and fifty people out, mm-hmm. um, and. I don't know. I really think it's great. It's great for the community. It's great for brain sports. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's fun. Yes, it's a lot of work. There's lots to manage. Um, it can be a bit stressful getting 150 people out the door within each group 
in a timely manner. Mm-hmm. Um, so systems, systems, yeah. Um, I used to uh, uh, my my staff used to say, "Oh, Brian's in his Wednesday mood because Wednesday I, would come I, and I, I would get." I worked for you, and I know what you were. Yeah, doing like it's it, it's a lot of pressure, but yeah, more. I've got we've got the systems down, so mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I I generally don't get into that mood too often. So if somebody, uh, you know, not necessarily in the running space, but if somebody were in uh, some sort of a business and they were wanting to develop that type of community thing, maybe where people met once a week or people connected, um, what what kind of advice could you give to someone who is looking to add that community type of component to their business? Well, I guess every business is so different. It would be hard to, it, it's hard to say but I do want to stress that I think people, people are lonely. Mm-hmm. People are literally dying of loneliness. And I think because of technology, it, it's easier to be um, uh, more insulated mm-hmm. than it was even in the past. And I think one of the things that our run groups do is it provides a community of people. A community for people so they can come to the store they can get a workout in um, they can we always go out for dinner so they can have they can go for a beer or a coffee and have and have a dinner with a group of people and and you know we've got we get people who hey I just moved here from China I moved here from from Halifax I don't know anybody hey come on out they go for a run and instantly they have um, you know they make connections and they run with those people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's, I think, a really healthy thing for the community. So I'm not sure what exactly, what advice I can give other people other than if you can connect people, you, you're, you're really doing something for our community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in terms of being an entrepreneur, um, which you are, um, there's a lot of ups and downs. Um, so rather than focus on the negative towards the back end of this interview, um, do you want to maybe um, share something like uh, that brings you joy about being an entrepreneur? Like maybe something that you know you reflect on often or think about when you're not too busy and then go, <laughs> you know, this this made it worth it or this is you know this is why I do what I do. Because um, there is, I mean, for for all of us that run our own businesses. A lot of you know just nitty gritty and tasks and stuff that you know it's not all glamorous um but can you can you maybe share like um especially because a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show just something that um is a bit of a north star for you individually in terms of like when things are rough or even when things are good that you're like you know what this is kind of why i do it or this is why i chose to be an entrepreneur because you certainly could work for someone else or I mean, those are choices we could all no make. One, but no one would have me. I'm sure someone would have you. Um, so, I think it maybe goes back to the first part of this interview, mm-hmm. uh, and that's about what does what does brain sport stand for? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I think it stands for comfortable shoes. Um, so we sell those comfortable shoes to runners, someone training for the Boston Marathon. That's awesome, but we fit a we fit a lot of people with with um, disabilities, so the most um, rewarding experience I have is helping someone um, 
find a, a comfortable pair of shoes that they can get on by themselves. And I see it in myself when you're able to do that. But more importantly, I see it with my staff where they're like, wow, I, I made a difference in that person's life. Mm -hmm. um, for example, we carry a brand of shoe called uh, Billy's. They started making kids shoes. Now they make adult shoes, but they have a zipper toe. And they're um, so for someone with an ankle foot orthotic and it's really it's just if you don't know what that is, it's really hard to put that into a shoe. Mm -hmm. It's like an orthotic that goes all the way up to your calf. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do that. We have a lot of kids with that. Um, but the way the shoe is designed, um, oftentimes a kid can put that on by themselves. And then all of a sudden the parents, um, they feel, they feel more confident sending that kid to school. Um, because that kid's going to be able to put those shoes on. The kid's going to, i I see it sometimes they they feel proud that they're they're able to do that and you're also making a difference in the teacher's life because mm -hmm. it's easier for the teacher to get all the kids out for for recess. So mm -hmm. those tough fits are really what what that's by far the thing that makes me the most excited about what we do. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm yeah, I would agree. I had the same experience when I worked for you and Soul Shoes, those are definitely some of the, the memorable fits. Mm -hmm. um, and one last thing, it's more of uh, maybe a statement that I'm going to make mm -hmm. um, that I'm going to just get some of your thoughts on. So, um, <laughs> we're, so we're at the store, so that's why the phone's ringing. <laughs> <laughs> this is the real world, yeah. 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 Um, so one of the things that, um, and I thought about this actually, I was in um, driving to Edmonton this weekend, so I was driving there and back, and on my drive I was thinking about some of the questions I was going to ask in this interview, and one of the things I just, uh, like, I really appreciate about you, just as a human and as a business person, um, is I feel like one of the reasons why you're so successful um, is that and then I'd like your feedback on this comment. Um, I feel like you never underestimate Saskatoon and Saskatchewan. Hmm. Like, I feel like a lot of people have a mentality that's like, well, we can try this thing, but it's like, it's just Saskatoon. We only have X amount of people or, you know, the market can only kind of do this. And in all my dealings with you, I feel like you've never underestimated Saskatoon. Mm -hmm. Like you're never like, well, that would work in Toronto, but we're not ready for it here. Mm -hmm. You're all, always, you always believe in what Saskatoon will support and accept and grow. And, and I think that's why you bring different things to the city. Mm-hmm. Have any thoughts on that statement? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I love it's a great city. Um, I, I I I love our geography. I love the people. I've you know I've met people from all over Canada, all over mm -hmm. the world, and I do think there is a special. I, I think there's a quality of about Saskatoon people. Mm -hmm. Um, I get the feeling that we're hardworking, we're, we're humble. Um, when you're like, I had a, my, my car broke down this winter. I had the hood up nine people came and helped me. Like, it's just, mm -hmm. it's incredible. Um, and how many of them wanted to shoe fit? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it was in my neighborhood, so I, I didn't know half of them, but I didn't know the other half. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I think we have a great city, and mm. I, I don't think, I, I think you can be very successful 
in Saskatoon. Like, I guess, I guess the other thing I'm kind of pointing at here too is like, I look at, um, you know, when we, when we deal with like, when, when you deal with certain shoe brands and stuff, you know, they kind of think, well, okay, is this Saskatoon store is going to do this much or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. And you always surpass a lot of people's expectations of you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just really feel like what you do in Saskatoon is you don't really, you don't have that mentality that some people do where it's like works in Toronto, works in Vancouver, but Saskatoon's not big enough. Mm-hmm. I feel like you just, you just, you just go <laughs> for it. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy hearing those statements. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I think Saskatoon people are, are smart, sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think things can happen like, yeah, Toronto is great, but it's so big. Things can get lost where, mm-hmm. where things can happen more quickly here because it is a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've certainly seen that with some of our, some of the new shoe brands we brought, they've ta- taken off faster here than in big cities because mm-hmm. we can, we can kind of get the word out and mm-hmm. then uh, it also spreads organically faster mm-hmm. um and maybe it's sort of that rough rider effect where you know we we when we get behind something we really get behind it and mm-hmm. yeah there's maybe not as many distractions here so it's easier to get behind certain things than mm-hmm. in a in a giant city where things get kind of mm-hmm. um muddy i'd agree with that um so we're pretty close to the end at the end of every podcast I always flip the table and invite my guest to ask me one question. Oh, okay. So, um, when we started working together with T squared, mm-hmm. um, you did something that I, that really impressed me and made me, made me believe I'd made the right decision in believing in you with regards to having a social media company. And that is you demand strategy sessions. So mm-hmm. why did you think that was important? Oh, um, so for me with social media, I think a lot of people just have the mentality that they just need to post. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. they post like, you know, I know exactly what you mean. Happy Monday, you know, mm-hmm. look at the sunshine, come buy some shoes, you know, Tuesday, my coffee tastes great. Come buy some shoes. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So it's just, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're in the game because you're posting. Mm-hmm. But I, I think for me, like, you know, we do strategy, um, because, uh, and I was talking about this with Darby on the last episode. I always start with strategy because I need to know what my goals are, right? I need to know, like, are we raising uh, awareness for an event? We need to sell tickets. Are we raising awareness for a new brand? Are we getting trying to get people in for a sale? Are we trying to get people, you know, hyped up for something else? Um, and so once we kind of know what our strategy is in terms of, like, what we want to communicate then it's easier to work on the creative, right? So, you know, I think of when we did like the Black Friday thing, you know, you know, it was obviously to get people in to buy shoes, um, but then we couldn't, um, we had some restrictions because we couldn't talk about certain brands and certain things. So then the creative, you know, was, and I think it was Liz that had mentioned yeah. this, to say, you know, well, why don't we just bleep out all the brands? So when we recorded it, Liz was like, you know, come on down and buy some chips and salsa or something with 
totally mm-hmm. bleeped everything out and stuff. So I think it, to me... And that it, turned out to be a great ad. turned out to be awesome. So I think, you know, strategy sessions for me um, are really, like, important in the sense of understanding what clients' goals are. And also for keeping people on track. I often feel like a lot of clients that I work with could, like almost handle some of the like content creation. Um, but I feel like those strategy meetings, and I've heard it from you and I've heard it from other clients too, that those strategy meetings on top of giving us focus for the content we're going to create together also gives the team just sort of like goals and direction so that everyone kind of knows like what the game plan is. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think for me, like I, and I work with people through coaching and through management, I think a lot of people, even a lot of my people that are putting content calendars together, they're still kind of just putting out like, you know, one of these, one of those, one of these, one of those, but it's not really leading to any conversations or it's not really building anything. And even in our strategy meetings, like sometimes we'll sort of look, you know, forward quarterly and say, okay, well, if in this part of the year we know it's heavy sales, what can we do prior to that to educate people and get people excited so that when the sales season start, that people have those sort of like pieces and those educational pieces and they're feeling confident in the brand, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think just being able to look forward and forward oftentimes helps you just in the moment decide the conversations you need to have. And um, yeah, I just, I don't, I'm sure, you know, if you're, um, like a one man show and it's like just you and you run it and you maybe have a couple employees, you're passionate enough that you can kind of know that internal conversation. But certainly when you're at the size of a business like you are, where there's so many moving pieces and different events and partnerships and different people executing, I don't know how companies would run that situation without a strategy or a plan. Totally. Um, so yeah. And I also too, like for me, I think the strategy meetings are oftentimes a really good time to just, just check in with clients and see how they're doing and how they're Mm -hmm. feeling. And, you know, are you tired of being on video? Like, let's find someone else. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, no, you're like hungry to be on another video. Let's get you in there. Like, um, so I think it's just a good check-in because oftentimes when we come in for filming, like it's, it's pretty, it's pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Um, and we don't have a whole lot of time to chit chat. So it's like a lot of executing. Mm -hmm. Um, and if we don't have that strategy pretty solid, it makes for a pretty rough filming. Mm Yeah. 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 Good answer. I feel like, I feel like you've voiced to me that you appreciate the strategy sessions. They bring you a lot of clarity. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I know you're, you're a decent planner, (laughs) a systems guy. Yeah. Try to be. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. Unless you have anything else you wanted to add? I think we're good. Okay. Awesome. Um, I super appreciate you being on the show. Um, I know you don't oftentimes do stuff like this, so I really appreciate you taking the time um, to do this with me. And I'm hopeful that uh, all the listeners gain some golden nuggets of wisdom that they can apply to their business or their social media strategy. And um, I'm not exactly sure who my next guest is going to be, but there's a few maybes, so we're going to see, and there'll be a surprise for everyone. Okay, thanks for being on the show, Brian. Thanks, Tyler.